Hey there, I'm Callie Gorman, and I am the founder of The Lone Travel Girl. And I was so excited to speak with James about my experience solo traveling and building my own travel business. Solo traveling is absolutely something that everyone should try, even if you have just the slightest desire to do so. It really puts everything into perspective. It shows you what matters most to you in life, and I think it also reveals the type of person you really are. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are the things you love most? What can you persevere through? Uh, not to mention, you can do whatever you damn please when you solo travel. So that's why I love it the most. So thank you so much to James for having me. Loved speaking with you, and I'll see y'all on the other side. Hello, and welcome to The Static Traveler with me, James. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Static Traveller, the podcast where I speak to travellers of the past and the present from around the globe, and I let them tell you in their own words about their adventures throughout this amazing world. Now, today's guest in The Static Traveller uh, is Callie Gorman, also known as The Lone Travel Girl. Hello Callie, are you there? Hello, I am here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's my pleasure. Um, so Callie, why don't you tell everyone just a little bit about yourself and give them a bit of an introduction of who you are and what you do. Sure. So my name is Callie and I'm currently uh, located in upstate New York. Um, I grew up in the New York City area and pretty much travel was always something I was passionate about. I always had this desire within me to travel, even as a kid. Um, it, it was just something that always fascinated me. But I went through college for four years and I graduated and got a marketing job in New York City. And I'm, um, as I'm sure many people know, in the States, we don't get a lot of vacation time. So I was kind of all of a sudden 22 years old and trapped in this like two week vacation type situation. Um, and so I didn't get to travel so much. It actually took me five years to finally decide that I wanted to get out of that corporate world, um, and mm -hmm. to start my own business. And so it was in 2019, I created the Lone Travel Girl and it started as an apparel business for solo female travelers. So we sell things like t-shirts and hats that just have celebratory messages for yeah. solo female travelers. Um, and over the past year, it has really developed into more of a community for solo female travelers. And now I am just starting to coach other solo travel solopreneurs um, and, you know, really encouraging other women to start their own solo ventures. So that's where I'm at right now. Brilliant. So we will come a bit more into that, all right, about everything we've just kind of you've just kind of highlighted there, because um, I have got you know a list of questions here to pick your brain for a very long time, um. So we'll try and squeeze them all in, um. But generally, what I like to do is when I get solo travellers on, um, other than you know I speak to a lot of travel couples, but I, you know I also speak to uh, solo travellers, um. So what I like to do is to start off with some icebreaker questions, kind of like quick fire, um. So it's basically like to not give you a, a chance to think about it. Just first thing <laughs> okay. comes to your head, bang, go. All right. Cool. Uh, so when you're traveling, what's your travel essentials, Callie? Travel essentials. I would say a carry-on bag. I am not someone who likes to uh, check baggage. I like to keep it close. So definitely a carry-on. Um, my okay. GoPro it, I love creating videos after I go on travels and GoPros are just great because you can, you know, throw them in the water. They're, re they're really versatile. Um, 
And just like basic clothing, like I'm not someone who needs to have a hundred outfits. I just need the basics um, for any type of situation. Um, So I would say those are some of the essentials for me. Okay. Um, And although you kind of covered it there, but your hometown. Yes. So where where is your hometown? So I... mm, I, I always like get stuck on this question. I don't know which to say. I grew up between two areas. One was in Rockland County, New York, in a town called Pearl River um, for the first eight years of my life. And then I moved to a town in Bergen County, New Jersey, Ridgewood. Um, so I was always in the outer suburbs of New York City. Okay. And what is your favorite type of food? Oh, my favorite type of food. Um, I mean, I I guess I just have to go classic Italian. Like, <laughs> it's pretty cliche, but like a true, um, authentic margarita Italian pizza. You can't go wrong nice. with that. Nice. Um, your favorite country that you've traveled to? Norway, for sure. All right. Okay, that's a new one. Um, so what, how, how, I'm getting all mixed up here. Um, how do you relax when you're traveling? What way do you find this best way to relax for you? So when I'm traveling by myself, I, I do like to know the places that I want to get to, um, you know, to have a a list of places that I, I plan to visit over however many days I'm in a certain location, but I find Mm -hmm. the easiest way to relax is to just not have a plan. I really like (laughs) discovering places, especially cities just by on on foot Um, and, you know, walking around the city, listening to a podcast as I'm walking around the city. I just find that the most, one of the best ways to, discover a new place but also to just have a relaxing approach to um to a new place as well awesome um what's your favorite song or artist i'll give you a choice so favorite song or artist oh okay well the one that always comes to mind is in my life by the beatles i'm a huge beatles fan and i just love that song so much okay uh your favorite drink my favorite drink, alcoholic drink. Oh, go for it, yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay, I just love a a nice glass of crisp prosecco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite movie. Oh, my favorite movie. You know, I, I honestly don't think I have one. Um, Anytime I'm asked this question, I just don't know what to say. But I will say I am a huge Harry Potter fan. So anytime any of the Harry Potter movies are on, I'm, I, you know, if I catch it on TV, I'm watching the rest of it. <laughs> uh, what about TV shows then, if you're not really a movie buff? What about, what about TV shows? TV shows. So I was a huge Lost fan when Lost was on. I have probably watched it through three times. Um, but I'm also a huge fan of The Office, the American version of The Office. Okay. Uh, So just two more to go. Uh, Can you speak any other languages? I cannot speak any other languages, which is one of my biggest life regrets. (laughs) Not not to say that I I can't learn one, um, but... You know, it's really hard to when you're not surrounded by people who are speaking another language. But I did take American Sign Language in college. We were required to take a full year of of, um, another language at my university. And the town that I was in had a very large deaf population. And so it was really great. Our college had um, a really great relationship with the deaf community there and so I learned American Sign Language and I will say it's just one of the most fascinating things that I've been able to learn and where I am now in Rochester, New York, there's also a very big deaf community um, 
And it's great, like, if I ever come in contact with someone who's deaf, being able to communicate with that person. Yeah, I mean, that's something that not a lot of people can say that, that you know, they're skilled in. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Um, and last of all, somewhere that you want to travel, but you haven't traveled to yet. I really want to travel to New Zealand. And it was actually, um, I'm getting married later this year. And it congratulations. Was, thank you. It, it was where my fiance and I were going to try to uh, book our honeymoon to. But as we know, right now, you know, travel has been very tough yeah. with the pandemic. And I'm pretty certain that New Zealand's borders are going to be closed for quite some time. So hopefully I will eventually be able to get there. Um, I, it just <laughs> looks like such an amazing place. That's definitely top of my list. Okay, brilliant. Thank you very much. Um, right, so can I go to the, the, the more interviewy part of the, the podcast now? So you know, speaking about yourself, you, you kind of grew up, you said you kind of fell, fell into office work and you, or you, sorry, you went to college, studied, and then you kind of fell into office work and you realised that wasn't for you. So growing up, was travel something that you always envisaged yourself doing or is it something you've just kind of fell into? So I was very lucky that, you know, anytime my parents had time off from work, they would um, take my sisters and I on trips, um, not necessarily anywhere crazy. I mean, we would go and visit friends and family in you know, California or Florida. And I just remember being a young kid, absolutely loving getting on an airplane. Um, I don't, I think it was more so in college and my couple years right after college that travel was just something that really excited me. And I was aware of that. Um, and for a period of time, I thought, oh, maybe I need to be working for a travel company. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, I, it, it was just a feeling. I don't, I can't pinpoint where, how it happened or where it happened. It's, it's always really interesting to think about that because I mean, truthfully, my like I have two younger sisters, they had the exact same experiences that I did growing up with travel and they are not nearly as into it as I am. So I really don't know what it was. <laughs> okay. Um, when you were um, in that office working environment, did you find it hard once you realized that that's what you didn't want to do to, to break the mold and step out and, and go to traveling? Yeah, I, you know, it wasn't like the five years that I worked there, I knew I wanted to quit and travel. Um, That happened at the very end before I did leave. I, like I said, for some time I thought, oh, maybe I'll be happier if I took a marketing job at a travel company. I was working for IBM and so I was, I was marketing you know, computer software, and it just did not align with who I was at all. And so I thought, and I did apply to some jobs along the way, but my heart really wasn't in it. And I think now looking back, it's because, no, I didn't want to be in a marketing job for, you know, a travel company like TripAdvisor or something like that. It's that I needed to do my own thing. Um, It was very hard to quit. So it was at about my five-year mark. I I didn't know anything about solo traveling. I didn't know about people who left their jobs to travel. And I happened to come across a story of this woman. Her name is Kristen Addis, and she's a solo solo traveler. And she, she wrote this short book about how she quit her corporate job in California and purchase a one-way ticket to Southeast Asia. And just mm-hmm. reading her story, I was like, oh, I can do that. Um, <laughs> I was, <laughs> it was just like a light bulb went off. And I think I was just so unhappy at that point. Um, like every day, I just dreaded work every single day. And I know many yeah. people can relate to this. It's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling, you know, f- Sunday night coming around and just having that dread and 
a lot of people live with it. A lot of people have to live with it. And I totally understand that. I feel very fortunate that I was in a position where I, you know, I, I didn't have kids. I didn't have a partner. I had enough money saved up where I knew I could quit and, and travel for some time. So ultimately, when I made the decision, it was pretty easy because I didn't really have to worry about anyone else. Yeah. Um, but it took me a long time to, to get there. It took five years for me to, <laughs> to realize that that's what I needed to do. So you started solo traveling at 27, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So at 27, you know, you've, you've packed in your job, you've made that step. Where did you go? Where did you decide to go first? So my my flight was from New York into Copenhagen. I first planned to travel around Scandinavia and I really didn't have a um a, a plan. I mean, I knew which countries I wanted to visit. I knew I would stay in Europe for as long as I could, which was about up to 90 days. And then I thought, oh, maybe I'll go to Asia. But I, I didn't have a plan. Um, but that is when I was able to visit Norway for the second time. I spent most of my time in Norway for three weeks doing a lot of hiking. Um, and then I, I mean, I can give you the whole lowdown of everywhere I did end up going, if you want me <laughs> to go there right now. <laughs> if you like, yeah, absolutely. So I did... Um, Denmark, the Faroe Islands, which were Whoa. fantastic, uh, Norway, and then I was about a month in at that point. I went to visit some family that are right outside of London, which was great um, to have some family time. <laughs> then I went up to Edinburgh. Yep. I went to Austria, Italy, um, Croatia, Slovenia. Switzerland, Portugal, I think I got everything. And then my last two uh, places on the trip that were in about my fourth month was to Hong Kong and Japan. And then Whoa. I flew home. And that was about four months later. Awesome. So, I mean, that's quite a schedule in four months. Did you have a set agenda before you left of where you were looking to go? Or was it you just got your first ticket and just went from place to place and just decided when you were there? Yeah, the I had everything scheduled out for the Scandinavian part of the trip just because it's a lot more expensive to travel around there. So I didn't want to leave that for the last minute. Um but otherwise, no, I planned and, you know, purchased whether it was a bus or a train or plane ticket, um, plane ticket as I went. Um, I was really flexible. I just knew that there would be some places I would go to and I would feel like I wanted more time there. And I knew that I would go to other places and feel like, okay, I've been here for a day. I'm ready to go. I didn't want to be committed to any sort of timeline. Okay. Um, you know, the places you spoke about there, so you were talking about Eastern Europe, uh, a lot in Northern Europe, and you kind of, you've done a bit of the, the West as well. Um, once you changed from Europe and went to, to Asia, there must have been some difference to what you had seen on your travels to that point. Oh, yes. It was very different. I I will say two things stand out. First, it was very easy to eat pretty much anywhere I went in Europe. The food was very familiar to me. Yeah. Um, there were many places that f felt like home. You know, if I if I needed my fix of uh, like a Starbucks or something, which I didn't do often, but you know, I I felt like um, it, it was just easy to, at any time to find food that worked for me. Yeah. Whereas when I went to Hong Kong, um, it was a lot harder. Well, and I will say the hostel that I stayed in, in Hong Kong, I made this mistake of staying in a hostel that did not have a kitchen. So I was 
trying to find food. Like I was going more so out to restaurants and street food and I, I, it was all fantastic, but I definitely felt out of my comfort zone. Um, And it was the same when I traveled to one of the Japanese islands, Ishigaki, and Mm -hmm. it was a phenomenal place. I mean, just absolutely gorgeous. But the place that I stayed, there was one little market at the end of the street and they only stocked (laughs) up on select foods like every three days. So it was really hard for me to even eat when I was there. So it have been like a a free-for-all once it's stocked up? Yes. Yes, it was it was insane. And I, you know, I figured it out. It was fine. I had my little ramen packets, but <laughs> it was so it was so different than Europe where everything was just felt like it was at my fingertips. Obviously, when then I went to Tokyo, you know, it, that's an enormous city, very easy to eat there. But that yeah. was one huge difference. Um, the second I will say is you know, in some places in Europe, particularly, I would say Portugal and Croatia and even parts of Italy, um, sometimes being the the solo traveler with the backpack on, you get a lot of stares and you kind of feel like you're, I felt like I was being judged a little bit. I, I just always <laughs> felt like maybe I was the person that was standing out, you know, you feel yeah. like a little bit. Whereas the culture in um, Eastern Asia is they, I mean, people just don't look at you because it's not polite. And so Mm -hmm. I will say I felt so much more comfortable traveling there because even when I was like, you know, going onto the subway and I was the only uh, blonde girl with a backpack (laughs) and I was like, just such a mess when everyone was so nicely dressed in their work attire. No, no one was looking at me. I didn't feel out of place or uncomfortable. And I will say, I so appreciated that about that culture. It was just such a nice change. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's maybe because that's their norm, you know, they're expecting that. Whereas when you're hitting Europe for travel, you don't really think of you know people with backpacks on. You think of it as like a family holiday. So, but we're when it, when you think of Asia, you know, you think of a lot of people that go out backpacking, and, and you you kind of expect that. And I don't know if it's maybe just something. And it, like you say, it may just be completely their culture. Whereas, yeah, they don't pry. Um, and maybe that's why they're you know it's a better experience than what yeah. we've seen in the West. Yep. No, that could totally be true. So once you came back, um, you decided to start up the the uh, the lone travel girl. So tell us a bit about that. Yes, so it actually took me some time to get to that point. When I first came back, I ended up taking a web development course, um, which was honestly really helps me now working for myself. Um, you know, being able to like code my own website and everything like that. But I was still confused about what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to go back into a traditional marketing role. I thought, okay, if I could learn front end development, I could potentially end end user experience design. I could potentially freelance work for myself. I ended up working for a woman for several months who was starting her own business Again, I was I was inching closer and closer to that having freedom feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just being me and her in this company, and still something just didn't feel right. And for many other reasons, that didn't work out that partnership. But it was early last year, so probably January, February, twenty nineteen. For whatever reason, I started watching a lot of e-commerce YouTube videos um, and just I found this one channel this woman who was teaching a lot about drop shipping which is where you as a shop owner have your own storefront 
online and if someone purchases from you, instead of you having a whole bunch of inventory that you've had to pay for up front, you are kind of the middleman where then you go to a third party vendor and you purchase that one item and you send it to your customer. So that that just fascinated me and I just got really interested in this whole world of e-commerce and eventually thought like, okay, there is nothing like this for solo female travelers. And it's what I'm so passionate about. It's who I am. It's like what I identify with more than anything. And so I started doing some research. Are there any apparel companies, you know, or e-commerce businesses out there selling apparel for solo female travel there weren't there also weren't any businesses or communities that struck me as being just in celebration of solo female travelers there are a couple out there that you know have these huge facebook communities yeah and um, they're fantastic for i think sharing stories and um you know, to, to kind of use as a search function if you're planning your own trip because so many other people on those Facebook groups share their own, uh, you know, what they do on their trips. But I just felt like yeah. something was missing. And so I started this on a whim. I started putting designs <laughs> together and um, I was very happy to see that there were many women out there who thought it was a great idea And so that's just how it started. I mean, I didn't really form the business for several months after that. I really worked a lot on just the the Instagram and the branding in the beginning, but that's how it all started. So that's where I'm at just now. Um, That's a stage that I'm looking at. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my, my listeners, you know, my followers on Instagram, that kind of thing. And now I'm starting to get to the stage where I'm looking at, you know, T-shirts, that kind of thing. But I'm trying to get my head around the, you know, like you're saying, the third party kind of stuff. So I've been looking at a lot of websites, that kind of thing. But it, it it's like a minefield sometimes, you know. If you don't really know what you're looking for, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's very difficult um, if that's not your background. Yeah, I will say that What I've decided to do, which I think makes it easiest for beginners, is I have set up a Shopify store, so it's pretty easy to figure out the back end to make your front page and your your product page. Um, I think, you know, if you if you can find your way around YouTube and watch some videos. Setting up your own store is pretty easy. I work with a company called Printful and they're one of the largest print-on-demand companies out there. Um, The upside of that is everything is automated. So Mm -hmm. they do everything. They have all the relationships with the clothing brands, they're high quality clothing brands. They do all the printing, the shipping, everything. The downside of that is because they're a big company, they take a huge portion of the sale. So, but that's why I think it's good to start there to see if it's really something you enjoy and just to get a feel for it. I've actually now been considering going in a different direction because with the pandemic, those fulfillment centers have not been fully staffed, which is completely understandable. A lot of people have been home. A lot of people have been laid off, unfortunately. But I haven't been able to proactively do any marketing for my apparel for the past four months because it's just too risky to know whether or not the shipments are going to... Yes, exactly. And they are all getting fulfilled, but some of them are taking over 40 days for it to happen. Yeah, and you could go out and push it and, you know, you could get... You could hit gold, you know, on this one post and you could get, you know, thousands of orders come through and then it just, you know, it would look bad on on your end as a business that... Right. You know. Exactly. That's, That's been my worry. So I've been looking at 
local places where I would be able to kind of oversee um, the printing and have a relationship with people nearby. But again, it's, you know, I don't know if I want to spend a lot of money up front on inventory. So I'm, I'm a little stuck right there right now trying to figure it out. But if, if it is something that you're thinking about, um, I would recommend looking into Printful for sure. Okay, I'll certainly have a look into that. Um, so uh, the lone female traveller, sorry, oh, girl, I'm losing it. Um, <laughs> no worries. I apologise. Uh, yeah, so the lone travel girl. It's my own writing, I can't read it. <laughs> um, so, you know, what What made you go for solo female travel? Um, you know, why not just solo travel? Yeah, so there are a couple of reasons. First, um, it's it was my experience, right? I knew that if I was going to be building a business or community um I really wanted to speak directly from my own experience. And, um, you know, unfortunately, in many ways, it is different being a solo female traveler versus um, being a a solo male traveler um, because of different safety precautions we need to be aware of as women. Um, And so that whole theme of safety is definitely a huge part of um, what our conversations are about when we like speak with, when women speak about solo traveling. Um, And so I really wanted to make sure that all the women out there who are solo traveling, or maybe were thinking about it, were able to become as knowledgeable as possible, just about practical safety precautions that they should yeah. be taking when they're traveling anywhere in the world. Um, the other reason was just from a business standpoint, the more specific you are with who you're helping, the better. Like the, the smaller your niche is, the more likely you are going to um, be successful. I mean, even now as I'm, you know, of course, continuing with the Lone Travel Girl apparel and community, I am starting to now help women in their own first year in business and kind of Mm -hmm. helping them with all of the struggles that I went through. And the people I am targeting are women who are solo travelers who are also solopreneurs. And it's, it might sound so incredibly specific, but, um, I, I've been able to really attract people that way because they feel like I'm really speaking directly to them if they're in that position. Um, and then I'll, I guess lastly, I just, for any women who are out there who are travelers and they've um, thought about solo traveling, I've had a lot of discussions with women in you know, my DMs on Instagram who say, you know, I don't know how you do it. Um, my, my parents say I shouldn't do this. It's, you know, I, it's too scary or I'm married. And a lot of people think it's inappropriate that I should be, you know, I shouldn't take any time away from my kids. Like there's all these expectations that, um, are put upon women in terms of, like what they should or should not do when it comes to just doing things for yourself. And so that's why I was also really sure that I wanted to just focus on women um, it, for the lone travel girl. I'm of course yeah. supportive of all solo travelers, um, yeah. but those, those are just some of the reasons why. So as you were saying there, you know, the, all these different, you know, DMs that you're getting and that kind of thing, you were saying that you yourself, you know, you're due to get married next year. Um, but your whole your niche is solo travel. How supportive is, is your partner when it comes to solo traveling? So he is very supportive of it. I um, I met my fiance Nathan. Actually, we were on the same team when we first graduated from college at IBM. Okay. So I knew him for several years. We were friends. Um, 
for many years before we started dating. We actually started dating right as I was leaving IBM and going on this solo trip. And um, so he, he very much knew that this is who I am, that, yeah. you know, just solo traveling doesn't mean you are definitely a single person or you're someone who's traveling because you're like looking for people right so I I'm lucky that he understood that and also now um, he owns a restaurant business here in Rochester so his job is very like location dependent and mine is very location independent so although he does get very jealous (laughs) because he loves traveling (laughs) too he, he just gets jealous if like if I get to go on a trip and he's like, Oh damn, I have to be, you know, at the restaurant. Um, but no, he totally understands that I'm just someone who likes to do some things alone and I have more freedom to do it because of the work I'm yeah. doing. Um, and do you still traveling together as well? Yes, we do. So typically this year is a little different just because of everything that's been going on, yeah. but his um, slower season is usually the August time frame. So we try to take a couple of weeks in August um, to go traveling. Last year, we went to Jasper and Banff National Parks in Alberta, Canada, which okay. were just absolutely unbelievable. I would recommend it to anyone who loves nature and wildlife and hiking. It was really great. Um so yeah, definitely we will always travel together, but I think if he continues to have a business that's here and I continue to work online, I will always have probably a little bit yeah. more opportunity and to that's, travel on. That's one of the benefits of your type of business is that you can take it anywhere. If you've got an internet connection, you can work. Yes. You know, um, yes, exactly. Which is, you know, it's fantastic. Um, I want to come back to... to one of the things that we were speaking about earlier about safety in terms of travel, um, and you know it's something that you speak about with your with your groups in terms of solo female travel. Um, so, do you think that that countries are doing enough for solo solo female travellers uh, to support them to make it a safer environment? And I, I say that loosely because what I mean by that is that the countries that have stigma of solo travel and, and not just solo travel, solo female travellers um, that it's not safe for them to go to. Do you mm-hmm. th- think that's changing now? That's a good question. I will say I don't know if I can give the best answer to that because I have solo travelled to places that are considered to be, quote unquote, you know, some of the safest places to solo travel. Um, I have heard many stories and have had many conversations with women who have traveled solo to places that are, you know, deemed as those less safe places to travel, but Mm -hmm. I just haven't done that yet. Um, So I can't say I, I know what's being done. I mean, I guess on a more micro level, like in hostels, um, you know, it's a great way to travel, right? It's cheap. Um, it can be a great way to meet other solo travelers and like find companions for when you're going out on your day trips. I have always appreciated the hostels that as soon as I show up, someone will tell me like, okay, we lock our door at this time. Um, these are like basically that run you through all of the ways that they are trying to keep their people safe inside. Um, So that's, that's great because I think hostels also have a pretty bad reputation because of that movie that I've never seen hostel. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, so I like seeing that, but I don't know if on like a more macro country level, I, I truthfully don't know what's being done. Yeah. And when, when you're picking a place to go, do you, are you cautious about your approach of picking a travel location based on the fact that you are a solo female traveler? I would say so. Yes. Um, so when I 
I mean, I, I guess when I went on that first long trip, my first big solo trip, yeah, I, I mean, every country that I traveled to, just I knew so many other solo travelers were experiencing those places, so I never really questioned it. And the way that I choose where to stay is I'll go on Hostel World just to search different places because you can get a lot of uh, really good information in terms of what yeah. are the age of the travelers? Like, is this a party hostel or is this not a party hostel? <laughs> I never, ever stay at party hostels because I find that I was, I mean, I was 27 years old. I'm like, I'm not 18 and single and trying to like be yeah. wild right now. But also, so I, I will say I, you know, just knowing ahead of time, like what kind of vibe I am looking for. It's really, into, yeah. yeah, it's, it's helpful to do that. Um, but, you know, when I think about, I'm not sure if I'm trying to think of any places that I want to travel to that's, you know, considered by the mainstream media, not safe. Um, I will say I've talked to many, many women who have had such magnificent experiences in Colombia, mm. in South America. And that is a country that, you know, over the past several years has had a really bad reputation in terms of safety. But every single woman that I've ever talked to who's actually solo traveled there said, no, I felt perfectly safe. Like you just have to yeah. not that, do the things you wouldn't do at home, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the things I was going to say next is that, do you think that, the, you know, these these pictures or I'm trying to think of the word, these um, conceptions of, of these countries are now more of a stigma that, you know, that, is fading do you know do you think it's you know because we've had that past now we're just trying to break through the stigma and it's actually not like that any longer it's, it's a modern world yeah that could definitely be the case um you know i think about how i lived i mean i always had a roommate but i was living in new york city for a few years when i was in my 20s and my God, some of the situations I was in where I'm, you know, <laughs> coming home from a bar at 2, 3 a.m. by myself, like stupidly falling asleep in a cab. I mean, yeah. like those are obviously things I shouldn't have been doing. But again, it's like I being by yourself. It's, it's interesting how like my parents, for example, were so freaked out that I was going and doing this trip when I was doing all these things really that were really dumb in New York city that uh, probably, <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's just because of the distance. Like people think that distance means you're less safe when that is just not the truth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's a couple of questions I do like to ask just straightforward um, to my guests that come on the podcast. Um, throughout your travels, you must've had one breathtaking moment. Tell us about that. What what kind of moment was that? A breathtaking moment. Oh, so breathtaking just, moment. Yeah. Oh, yes. So I have a feeling that most of my answers to your upcoming questions are going to be about Norway because I just, <laughs> I love that country so much. So I first traveled to Norway in 2016 with one of my girlfriends. And one of the places that we traveled to is... Uh, called the Lofoten Islands. It's an mm -hmm. island chain within the Arctic Circle. And oh my gosh, Google it. It is just the most magnificent place in the world. I loved it so much that I traveled back there um, again when I went on that solo trip in 2017. And the moment for me was for the second time, but this time it was doing it solo, was climbing um, this short hike. It's called Rainabriggen. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a view that overlooks the town of Rain in the Lofoten Islands. And it was really cool because I was able to do this hike at like 10 p.m. at night because you're so you're so far north that the sun really never sets during the summer. Um, 
There were a couple of other people on the trail, but I got to the top of that mountain and it was just one of the most peaceful, amazing sights. And to be back, like I'll say, I loved it so much when I visited with my friend and we did that hike together, but there was just something so calming and like you said, just like breathtaking about being there alone and really sitting with myself and being like, I came back to my most favorite view in the world and I did it this time alone and here I am. And how cool is that? Um, That was probably that moment for me. And yes, just, I so highly recommend visiting that part of the world. If you love nature and love hiking, it's just awesome. Awesome. Um, So being a solo traveler, have you had any scary experiences that you know it's just been completely uncomfortable or um where you felt in danger or anything like that at all i don't think i ever had a bad experience when i was solo no the only thing that comes to mind is and this is actually when then my my boyfriend at the time he came to visit me when I was on that extended solo trip. We were in Croatia. Uh, We Mm -hmm. were walking back to our Airbnb one night. And I think I had just trained myself to be so completely aware of my surroundings and everyone. And um, we were in, in the town of split and we were, you know, walking through one of the like the town square there and it was nighttime but there were still a ton of people out and I just felt like someone was following us and this guy was like trying to follow us back to our Airbnb and I just swung around and was like what what do you want and he ran (laughs) off and (laughs) Nate was like oh my god how did you even know he was following us and like you have to, you know, be be aware of what's going on. And <laughs> and the next day, I saw that same guy just kind of creeping around that square. So I feel like he was probably pickpocketing people. And yeah. so that that wasn't like a terrifying moment, but it was more of like this proud moment where I was like, okay, I I really am on alert. So I felt even more comfortable with myself after that experience solo traveling because I really was just always aware of my surroundings. Okay. And do you have any travel regrets at all? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I can't say I do. Maybe just the regret of not doing more of it. <laughs> you know, I mean, for that, for that first trip that I did, Again, I guess I could look back now and say, oh, I should have done more. But in reality, I was I was really ready to come home. It felt right. So But the thing is, you've got time on your side, you know, that's that's one of the positives. And even if it is a regret, it's something you can you can now take a step to rectify, you know? Yes. Yep. So it's it's good having that, that opportunity to be able to do that. Um what's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you on your travels? The weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. Or the weirdest thing that you've done. The weirdest thing that I've done. Oh, man. Um, I mean, I don't know if this... If this... This might be weird to some people because it's (laughs) like... Seems to be super dangerous. I, I think, first of all, I'll just say, I don't... I feel like I was never in a bunch of situations where I had an opportunity to like go do this very bizarre thing. You know what I mean? So, but I, again, in Norway, I did um, as many hikes as I could there. And one of the hikes um, it's called Karag Bolton. And if you see the photo, um, it's very recognizable. It's basically like, this enormous boulder that is wedged between um, two, like like a, a really skinny fjord, essentially. And people who hike this trail will take a picture at the end. And I mean, r- one wrong move, and you could like fall 
over the edge to a very yeah. untimely death. So, so <laughs> I, I don't, that's not like weird that it seemed like stupid to some people that I would do that. Um, but I did that and it was, it was, I got the picture. It was great. Um, so that was probably, I don't know, maybe the riskiest thing I did. Yeah, and absolutely. I, I mean, that's, yeah. that's what it's all about is that, that thrill seeking adventure, that one moment that you can turn back and say, you know, I did that. Yes, you know? yes, exactly. And it's funny because now that I look at that photo, I in the moment I wasn't freaked out at all. And now I look at it and I'm like, oh God, I don't know if I could do that again. That is so scary to think that just one wrong move and and you're done. But yeah, yeah. absolutely. Hi guys, thanks for listening to the Static Traveler. And now it's time for Ainsley's question. So they're always animal related because she's an animal fanatic. Oh. Um, so what's the coolest animal that you've seen? Oh, okay. That's such a good question. And I love that you have her ask a question. That's amazing. So this was not during any solo travels, but this was last year on that trip to Jasper and Banff National Parks. I think the coolest thing was seeing a grizzly bear in the wild. It was just not an animal I ever expected to just see as I was driving down the road. They are beautiful and scary. Um, But I think we saw two of them. Um, there were also many brown bears that were also very cool to see, but grizzlies just have a very interesting face and they're majestic, but really creepy and they could rip your face off. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, that was just probably the most exciting animal to see in the no one, wild. Knowing my luck, I would have, I would see it and it would chase after me and it would like, yeah well that's <laughs> that's one of the things that you know when you go to that part of Canada and you get your park ticket um, I mean there are signs everywhere too but they you are reminded time and time again when you do see a bear to not slow down in your car um, yeah. which is really hard to not do because you just want to sit and stare <laughs> at the animal but because as you know as people do that then the bears become you know, accustomed to the cars, they become not scared of them. Um, But yeah, you're certainly, I'm very glad that we didn't see any as we were just walking around. We were (laughs) always in the car. Um, Brilliant. Thank you very much. So I'll let her hear that that part there. Um, So the next part of the podcast is what I call story time. Okay. So um, I know you're a bit getting a bit tight for time now all right so um i'll just explain it to you and length can be completely up to you and then we'll wrap it up after that because that's pretty much it um so this part is where i would say to travelers like yourself so take me or take us everyone listening on a journey okay tell us in detail about one place or adventure that you want to share with us in as much detail as possible you know things that you did there things that you've eaten or eaten sorry um Somewhere you think everyone must visit at least once in their life. Ooh. Okay. Some place I think everyone must visit once in their life. So, okay, this might not be everyone. I will say, again, I am a very adventurous traveler. Everywhere I travel to, I enjoy hiking um, and just getting out in nature. So I will say if... You are someone who likes to get out of the city and you like to hike and experience nature. Um, Again, I am giving a plug for Norway and I will give you, um, I'll tell you a little little story about a particular place that I visited um, when I was solo traveling and one of the hikes I did there. Awesome. Um, Bergen, Norway is Norway's second largest city. Um, It is basically an enormous fishing city port right on the western coast of Norway. It's a absolutely gorgeous place. It's a very walkable 
city again like i said earlier really nice to just have no plan for the day like pop in your headphones listening to a podcast and go for a walk around bergen it's also surrounded by several mountains so there are a ton of trails that you can take from the city center that will bring you high above bergen and it's it's just a really um like outdoorsy type of place but a few hours um, inland, east of Bergen, is this place called Oda, Norway. And it's typically where people will go when they want to hike Trolltunga. So Trolltunga is probably, I don't know if it's, it's one of Norway's most famous hikes. And again, okay. if, you, if you Google this, you may recognize many photos of it. It literally Trolltunga means troll's tongue. So it's like this enormous slab of rock that is just jutting out um, quite randomly from this <laughs> mountain. It's, and it overlooks um, one of these beautiful, beautiful fjords in Norway. And it's, again, one of these epic end of the hike photos that Norway has. So when I when I was traveling through Norway on this first solo trip, I knew I definitely wanted to do Trolltunga. I had all of these hikes on my list. And from what I could tell in my research, this one was going to be the toughest, like physically, mentally, emotionally. But I thought like, oh, a lot of people do it. So I'll be, I'll be good to go by myself. Like I'll figure it out. Um, yeah. And so I stayed in this hostel in Bergen, Norway um, for a few days, met some pretty cool people. There was one girl in particular, Sarah. She was also an American um, solo traveler. And I were sitting around the table one night in the hostel and I'm telling everyone about how like, oh yeah, I need to figure out how the heck I'm getting there. I think I need to rent a car. I need to book an Airbnb to stay the night because everyone says you need to start this hike at the crack of dawn because it takes so long. And Sarah was like, oh my gosh, I, I so wanted to do that hike. Like I, I would love to do it, but I'm leaving on this day. And, and I realized as she's saying that to me, like she actually had enough time where she could come with me and do the hike with me. And yeah. literally in that moment, and this is like the beauty of solo traveling is when solo travelers just link up like this and decide to do something together. So she realized, oh, she could in fact um, travel with me and do this hike with me. So within like five minutes, we had booked this Airbnb, we booked the rental car, um, and the <laughs> next morning we took off. So we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. Um we stayed the night at this Airbnb and we woke up at like 4.30 or 5 the next morning because like I said, in, in all the research I did, everyone said like, you really need to start early. Um, yeah. Before this hike, you need to drive up. Like I, I swear, I think it took us a solid 15 minutes even to just drive up the road to get to the parking lot where the trailhead starts. Um, and along the way we're driving up, there are zero cars around, like no one is, is there. Um, and all of a sudden we see up ahead, there's this, these two women like walking the road. And so we stop and we put, put the window down and we ask them like, hi, are, are you guys okay? And, um, the one girl says like, yeah, I'm doing the hike today. This is my aunt. She was just kind of like accompanying me to the trailhead to make sure that I was okay. And we we're like, uh, do you want to ride up? <laughs> so this girl gets into our car. Turns out she's also a solo traveler from the United States. Like it was kind of crazy how, cause, cause I really did not meet many Americans at all um, on the rest of my trip, but somehow the three of us found each other and, so suddenly she's in our car. It's the three of us against this, <laughs> this hike. Um, and we start out, it's six in the morning. And oh my goodness, the next like 12 hours that elapsed were just some of the, it was probably one of the hardest hikes I had ever done because of the weather that day. 
So we, to give you an idea, we went through at one point like snow and hail. At other points, we had like stripped all of our layers off and the sun was beating down on us and we had just like tank tops on. Like it was, that is how um, unreliable or like unpredictable the weather is. Sounds like 15 minutes in Scotland. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> so you 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 would be <laughs> very prepared for this hike, probably. Um, but it was it was tough. I mean, I knew it was gonna be hard, but I will say, I just remember feeling like, thank God these girls are with me because one, it would be so boring to do this alone because there really weren't many other people on the trail and. Also, like it would have been a little unsafe, truthfully. I, I, I have done many other hikes alone where the trails were, um, you know, there were a lot more people on it. But I think because we started so early, um, we were pretty alone. So it took us about maybe four or five hours to get to that point to the troll's tongue. And the most amazing thing was that we got there. And there was this huge rainbow that was just like right on the fjord. And so we have these amazing photos of um, us like on the rock with the rainbow behind us. And it was just such a cool thing. Like that was probably one of the best moments from my solo travels because it was like I had planned, you know, if I had done that, that hike and experience that day alone, I, I think it would have been just like the most awful day because of how tough it was with the weather. Mm -hmm. But instead I had these two girls that I didn't know at all. And we just had the best time together. Um, and that's the thing too, with like, you know, people think sometimes when you're solo traveling, like you're just going to be alone when in fact it's just solo traveling means you're traveling with no one, you know, and yeah. There's just something so freeing about being able to be alongside other people experiencing these things who don't know you. And it's not because you can just become someone that you're not. It's like you're not thinking about, you're not stuck in that, um, in that box of who you are to other people. And so it was just such a wonderful day. Um, the, <laughs> if you ever do that hike, I will say prepare yourself for the the five hours or six hours or whatever back because I think it was like the worst part of any hike I'd ever done it was so amazing being on that rock and taking that beautiful photo and then yeah six hours like after you have accomplished that is just oh it's, it's the worst part of any hike having to turn back around and do it all over again but I wanted to share that just because it like I said it was one of those unexpected things that happened where I thought I was going to do this alone. And then I had these two great friends and we still stay in touch today. Um, yes. Yeah, so I was yeah. going to ask, do you still stay in touch with them? Yeah. I mean, we're so Sarah's in California, Leanna's in, I think Oklahoma, or Arkansas. So we're, I mean, I would love if I got to see them again, who knows if I ever will be able to, but um, yeah, no, we're, we all, we all still, keep in touch, um, which is a really nice thing. That's awesome. Thanks very much for that, that journey. You know, that's, yeah. um, my wife, she loves, you know, hill walking, hill climbing, um, that kind of thing. So I think that would really be her type of, of holiday. I just yeah. go, um, because I kind of have to, I, I, I'm one of these people that, I moan about it, and then when I get there, I'm like, right, let's go, yeah, it's going to be great, and then I'm up there, and I'm like, and then I get close to the top, and I'm like, right, nobody's going to beat me up the top of this, and I'm like that, and, and, and although we're not in competition, in my head, I'm like, she's not beating me, and I am going to be the first one to the top. Oh my gosh, okay, you sound like Nate, because we hike a lot together, um, and he just has to beat me to the top. Like we'll be along set, we'll be right next to each other the whole way. And then those last few steps he needs, he always needs to say like, okay, I was the first one here. I know. I, and I don't know what it is because even like if I've had my little girl with me, I put her on my shoulders or I just grab her and I'm like, let's go. Oh, like, you know, the two is up the top first. So um, I don't know. It must just be something inside. Uh... I think it is. <laughs> You're born with it. Yeah, um, 
No, I mean that's absolutely brilliant. Um, as I say, Callie, that's you know we could we could go on for hours. I mean, there's so many questions that I haven't got to yet, and you know, hopefully at some point I can get you back on the podcast. Like I say, I know you're you're tight for time. Um, yeah, I'd love to come a, back. An absolute pleasure speaking to yourself today, and and, and I'm I'm going to pick your your brain, you know, outside of the podcast, and you know, I know you help a lot of female entrepreneurs, that kind of thing, but I'm going to try and pick your brain a bit in terms of setting up a... Absolutely. No, I'm I'm always happy to help. So expect a couple of messages from me. (laughs) No problem. Um, Listen, why don't you tell everyone where they can follow your story, you know, where they can check out your apparel, um, you know, you've got a blog as well, don't you? So I do have a blog on my website. I am not a blogger, so I only have a few uh, a few articles up there. But I think what I'm going to start doing is featuring more solo travelers who are building their own businesses on there. So there will be yeah. more to come in the future. But you can find me at the Lone Travel Girl on Instagram and at. Um, thelonetravelgirl.com. That's my website. That's where you can find the apparel, where you can find some of my blog articles. And then we also have a private virtual meetup community called Solo Travel Corner. And it's- I have got that down here, but it just didn't, we didn't get to that kind of stage. (laughs) Yeah, no, I can just quickly tell you it's, um, so I, I just found, especially in this pandemic, people- were you know really sad about not being able to travel and there was just this need for community and it's great to communicate with people over Instagram and in your DMs or on comments but there's truly nothing like being able to just hop on Zoom with other solo travelers who are just like you and to talk about your your travels so we do that we have like happy hours and those types of things but we also bring experts on to talk to us about different destinations um, that they have solo travel to different things like editing your travel photos or um, you know how to be safe as a solo traveler those types of things so um, if anyone's interested in that they can find um, solo travel corner on thelonetravelgirl.com as well awesome and you know in, in that sort of thing if you've got anyone that would you know want to come on and tell their story I'm more than happy to speak to any traveller that you know has a story um, that they want to, to tell so if anyone is listening and they want to come on the Static Traveller drop me a message and you know we can certainly make that happen awesome I will keep that in mind also <laughs> um but listen, uh, thank you very much for coming on. I will put all the links to your website, your your Instagram and stuff like that. I'll put it all in the description when the podcast goes up. Um, so anyone that's looking for it, it is in the description now. Um, also, if you want to follow us at Static Traveller, we are available pretty much anywhere you can find your podcasts. Um, so yeah, give us a, a little subscription and you can check out all the episodes from all my previous guests as well. Um, we are available on YouTube, Instagram and Facebook so uh, subscribe to us on YouTube um, and hit that wee bell button and you'll get notifications every time we get a new episode up. Instagram, you know, you can see our, our daily posts from our travellers, um, although I, I do tend to take a week off every four weeks so there's a bit of a blank spot every four weeks. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, and Facebook, yeah, so again, it's all, all the, the, the same there. So give us a wee like and you can see everything that we're, we're posting. Um, and if, if I can pick Callie's head enough, you will soon see some Static Traveller apparel. Yeah. That's great. Um, Thanks again for having me. Thank you very much. And listen, everyone, thank you very much for listening today. And until the next time, you keep travelling and I'll stay static. Thank you.